0: Shall be preached in all the world. Then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan, and I will be your host for today. And joining me, all the way from Marion, Indiana, is Forge Speaker Nicholas Hines. Nicholas, thank you so much for being here, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Uh, it's such a blessing to have you. You've, uh, If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've heard from Nicholas at least one other time, if not a couple other times. And so, uh, so happy to have you here once again. Today's topic, and we're kind of in a little mini-series here, uh, not to put a label on it or anything, but <laughs> a little bit of a mini-series here on discipleship. So we're going to be talking about discipleship. And Nicholas has a very unique... Uh, perspective just because of where he's doing ministry and so i'm so excited just to hear your perspective nicholas um and what do you have for us what 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 do you think what what is the best way
1: to disciple? maybe that's a terrible question but (laughs) what 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 are your thoughts on discipleship what are my thoughts on discipleship uh it's really important um Hmm. and uh it's important because it's part of the great commission that's for sure and Jesus uh, put it in his final final words in the end of Matthew and the end of Mark as well. Um, and so, uh, and he called his uh, disciples disciples. So it's it's really important. And so I have many things to say about it. Why don't, why don't you narrow it down with a question a little bit and and go from there? All right. Sounds good.
0: Yeah. Before I do that, so agree with you on discipleship. So uh, in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, um, there, Jesus says go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded and uh, there, there is so much depth in that passage I was reading a book last night actually um, it's called uh, urban legends of the New Testament and basically huh. it's a, a whole like every chapter is something that has been like falsely taught about. From the perspective of this author, something that's been falsely taught about Christianity or the New Testament in this case. And what he's focused on in this particular passage is that people often emphasize that the word go is not as it's not that active verb. It's not the command as much as make disciples is the command Um, and that often people will teach what that means is uh, that. the emphasis is not on going, but on making disciples.
1: Mm.
0: And he drew out very interestingly uh, that that's not actually true, Uh, that the Greek structure that we see in that passage occurs other times in the New Testament and at other points in the New Mm. Testament, the emphasis is equally on going and whatever Mm. additional command there is. So for example, uh, at one point, Jesus says, go and tell John what I just told you. And at Mm. another point, he says, "Go." I can't remember. There's a couple. There's three of them in in the Gospels, and at each point, there's an equal emphasis on going and on making disciples. Oh, anyway, man. fun fact. Dude, Still, you're sorry. such a
1: teacher. I love you. You're so <laughs> wicked smart. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, let me say something just, off uh, of that. Yeah. Go. Is that right? Yeah. Like I love, I love how much you are. You look at the Bible in such a unique, unique way. It's so different from me. I love it, Nathan. Um, along with what you said too. Like thinking about it like the disciple disciple to make disciples that is like the product of the great commission like mm-hmm. you know to put it in sort of like a business or like marketing term that's your product if you're not producing that then you're not really fulfilling the fulfilling the great commission you know so uh mm-hmm. wildly important yeah amen so what would you say to someone who's like hey i want to disciple
0: somebody like i mm-hmm. i'm a christian and I follow Jesus and I see this great commission. Like, what would you say is like a good starting point for somebody who's seeking to disciple others?
1: Yeah, and seeking to disciple others. I, it, for me, it goes, it starts with, it does start with the great commission because Jesus tells us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them um, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded them. And so it begs the question, then, what did Jesus command his disciples to do? Um, and so, uh, you know, um, and then you start to look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels. And so um, you can't actually disciple someone as a mentor or disciple, discipler. If you're trying to disciple someone, the first thing you have to be aware of is the life of Jesus and to know him, you know, uh, not to know him just cognitively, but to walk with him, you know. And so uh, you can't actually teach. Um, teach someone and lets you know about the life of Jesus yourself and what he commanded his disciples to do. But also, too, um, you won't actually be an effective discipler if you're at the end of the day connecting them to you and not to Jesus himself. Jesus is the best discipler. Um, I was just talking about a, talking about this with a woman after church on uh, Sunday morning just a couple days ago. Uh, she had come up to me and, and shared that she had connected with this friend of hers who uh he's been struggling with like suicidal ideation and some other things and she asked me she said where should i begin with him you know uh where should i begin with him and you know at first we talked about let's make sure he's safe and you know you have the resources you need you know if he's if he's wrestling with that um but at the end of the day i said to her at some point you're not gonna be enough for him like you never will be you know um but you, like one of your most profound things you can do as a discipler, as someone who's discipling someone, is to actually connect them to Jesus, to really practically equip them to do that. Mm, amen.
0: And if you've listened to this podcast, or if you're an avid listener to this podcast, you're, you've are you heard us say the exact same thing that Nicholas just said. Um, and we would, e- I, I would even venture to take it a step forward further and say, Jesus may even be the primary disciple of somebody's oh, yeah. life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, he absolutely is. Um I I just saw this uh you I know mean, TikTok is getting big these days, you know, TikTok and and Instagram Reels and stuff. I saw this one it was so good. I wish I could have, you know, claimed it for myself, but essentially it was this speaker, I can't remember who it was, but he was saying he essentially he was saying the same thing. He was saying, "Listen, if if the only time that you're going to jesus is is when you're wrestling with the world you know and letting and and sort of going to jesus from this reactionary standpoint you're still letting the world disciple you um Mm. but and you're just you're the world's discipling you you're just going to jesus to try to get comfort or navigate that or process that which is not bad to get comfort from him but but Mm. really the ultimately that it goes the other direction it goes your discipleship with jesus then impacts the world you know Um, so you've got to get with him, you know? Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah. Amen.
0: Yeah. I, I was, I've been surprised. Um, there's, my wife often says this to our students at youth group. She'll say, Hey, Be the thermostat instead of the thermometer, uh, which is kind of like what you're saying. Like Mm -hmm. when we are up close to Jesus, we can set the tone for our life instead Mm -hmm. of allowing other people to set set the tone for us. Yeah. Or we allow Jesus to let Jesus be the thermostat, maybe would be a better way of saying it. And we can be the thermometer off of him.
1: Mm, That's good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, if 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 people are people first, I agree with you, they need to connect up close to Jesus. Um, I would say that you'll find it impossible to live the Christian life if you're not connected to Jesus. Like, it's just not going to happen. I I mean, at the end of the day, it's in the name, Christian, uh, Mm. of a word that from the very beginning has always meant follower of Christ. Uh, And so to, to make the claim that we're a Christian and then to leave Jesus out of the equation somehow is just kind of super redundant I, yeah. or oxymoronic or something like that yeah. I don't know um, where where do you go from there so once once you if you're having that up close intimacy with Jesus what mm-hmm. what is the next step?
1: yeah, that's a great question I think that um I think that the next thing you probably need if you're having an up close intimacy with Jesus and you're actually making time for him which is crucial to actually set aside time and make time for him. Uh, you know, it just has to do with priorities. Are you trying to slip them in to your day, or are you trying to actually set a time in your day and make that happen? You know, um, which as you go through different seasons of life, that in and of itself, you know, this is a slight rabbit trail, is difficult. Like I just, you know, we have three kids. You know, I you know before i had kids i used to spend time with god during a certain part of the day this how it looked and everything changed since we had kids you know and trying to recalibrate you know and all that so and it happens whether you're a young adult you know graduating from college or stepping into the working professional world or whether you're a high school student stepping into college or something as a seasons of life change you have to make time for him so let's say you are actually doing that if you are doing that that's great Uh, you need to do that but the next step from there. Um, you know, I th- it makes me think of the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was super spiritual. They were crazy spiritual, uh, but um, they got some things way off. Um, so Paul is writing them this letter in first and Second Corinthians and he writes them multiple letters. and uh, he says to them, he says, "You have many teachers. I wish that you'd have more spiritual fathers or, or mothers. You know, he says that. I You have a lot of people, you know, in, in today's world, we have a lot of teachers available too. You just click on YouTube any, any two seconds. You can listen to any speaker you want to, any teacher about all kinds of things, you know, but to really actually, I think the next step is to position yourself to be a a a child or a son or a daughter of a spiritual father or mother now that might actually be your biological father or mother if if they're a person in your life that you look up to who is farther along in their journey with jesus then that's great if they're not um then that's fine too you know uh i know that's the biggest piece of along with intimacy with jesus position yourself in relationship with another person who you look up to in the way that they follow jesus's commands you know because matthew chapter 28 is all about obeying the commands of jesus what did jesus command so find someone in your local church um that is uh farther ahead of you that you admire for how they live their life with jesus and if you soar with eagles you'll become more like an eagle you know like get surround yourself with people who do life better than you do um and uh you will naturally be challenged to become a better man or a better woman of God you know I, I experience that at Forge all the time as a speaker you know we we're on mission together, we rub shoulders and we polish each other and um yeah it's a it's a beautiful gift,
0: yeah, and I would even add to that like if you're if you're in a position where you can't find somebody to pour into your spiritually uh maybe coming up with a like a a method of like ironing iron sharpening iron in a group context like what you were just Uh describing the Ford speaker team because that's been more my experience even Mm -hmm. has been uh i haven't necessarily been able to find one particular person but there is a multitude of people in my life where like i'm learning a little bit from this person and i'm learning a little bit from this person and you're so right just being up close to them it like immediately i'm convicted in my spirit of like hey i need to be that like I need to grow in this. I need to, mm-hmm. I need to become yeah. more like Christ in this.
1: Yeah. And I was, that's so good. I was just, I was just preaching about this too, like two days ago on Sunday. Um, You know, Jesus said that to become, to follow him is that when you begin a relationship with him, you, you actually gain a new identity. You know, he give mm-hmm. you, you're no longer an orphan. You're called a son. So if you're a son or a daughter, then you're adopted in the family of God and if you're in the family of god jesus really clearly outlines in matthew chapter 18 how to do life as the family of god you know in kingdom community he he outlines that really well and uh i said on i was preaching on sunday i said if if you skip town or move churches or leave or just throw your hands up every time someone disagrees with you or gives you an answer that you don't like then you will never grow into the man and the woman that god has made you to be because he meant for you to one be intimately connected with him and two to be intimately connected with the body of christ and so many people they they are so much hunger to be known and understood and god says i will i will meet you in ways so that you feel known and understood in ways that no person ever could in my intimate time with you but i also Mm. want to do that within the context of your, of the body of Christ and the local church. And if you're just going to not allow yourself to be in relationship with people because they keep revealing these parts of you that are like, Oh, I got to work on that. I got to work on that. Then you'll never grow. You'll never grow into the maturity that you really, that your heart desires for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, it's so true. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny when I, when I, you know, it, it's funny when you intentionally allow yourself to be around people and you get deep with them and you really become and you really express, you you live out who God's made you to be. It's funny how these little blind spots and these little things that we still need to work on will be revealed because my wife will say something and then somebody from Forge will say something and someone from God's house will say something. All these people with life and then all these mentors. I'm like, oh man, there's like three or four people who have said something quite similar. Um... I should talk to God about that, you know. So yeah. it's good stuff. So amen. Connect yourself with God, and, connect uh, yourself with the body. I,
0: I couldn't have said it better myself. I it's been my experience, exactly what you're describing, that when I'm in relationship with others, I become I start looking more like Christ simply because I have other people speaking into me saying, Hey, are you aware that this part of you doesn't it, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like Jesus at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's been super, super productive. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I have so much, I have so many thoughts on what you just shared. Cause yeah. I love what you just shared so much. Um, but I don't want to get off. St- <laughs> I don't want to get off topic. Um, but yeah, you're, you're so right. Uh, being surrounded by other people will hone you. Um, that whole idea of being fully known and fully loved, um, Jesus fully knows you and fully loves you so much so that he died for you. And he also wants to fully hone you um, mm, yeah. into his image. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you, you get intimate up with close with the Lord. Then you spend some time um, being mentored or discipled by somebody mm-hmm. else. Where do you go from there? Like if if you're, if you want to be making an impact in the
1: lives of others. Mm, yeah. Um, so if you want to even another piece that rolls through my mind, um, is like this sense of, um, like an integrated faith. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually just sitting in on a, uh, I was sitting in on a, um, like a panel just a couple weeks ago with, um, some people who are partnering with our church and it was like a Christian parenting panel. And someone asked the question, uh, what do you, what makes someone have lasting faith? Like a child, what makes a child have lasting faith? And it reminded me of the question that you asked me sort of in preparation for a podcast, Nathan. You you would ask, you know, if someone was how can how can uh, we continue in our faith like as we as we graduate college or move on or move into the next stage of life? What makes that keep happening? What what makes that last, you know? And uh essentially a bunch of research was done about Christian parents and their kids, and it all applies to this question that you're asking. And but the thing that made their faith, a Christian parents or Christian a kid's faith last, was if they had Christian parents. If their Christian parents were actually warm and emotionally connected to them, and then the third piece was uh, that the Christian parents um, actually modeled and integrated along the way faith um, mm. with their children. You know, um, and so it makes me think of that. Uh, that makes me. Ir- it connects to that question you asked me because I think that there's an integrated piece that has to be so relevant to our faith and how we walk it out um, that uh, there has to be action that is associated with the things that we are learning. You know, uh, which is very Jewish. Jesus said, you know, uh, to learn something was to do something first, and then he talked about it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. he sent his disciples out to go and heal people and to preach the gospel. Um, uh, through teaching and testimony before he ever really before there's ever really a recording of them actually getting knowledge of how to do that. You know, they saw Jesus do it and they they saw him model it. And then he's like, hey, go do it. And then they came back to him with questions and said, well, we did this and this happened and this happened. And he said, "All right, let me me do some teaching on this. So um, I oh, my gosh, there's such an emphasis that we have here at God's house of like put action to your faith. You know, Mm uh, what, if, if there's no action, then you're really not, you're not stepping into learning, you know? Um, and Mm so, um, it has to be, it has to look like, um, what is God teaching you in your mind? And the question is, is have you translated that, translated that into an experience, into a lifestyle? If you, Mm -hmm. if you haven't gotten there yet, you know, then, uh, then there's still work to be done. Amen. I, uh, there's something very off-putting
0: about the idea that discipleship could be just knowledge-based, mm-hmm. um, that it it would just be exclusively a transfer of knowledge. Do this, do this, do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this, don't do this here's how. Here's how. Here's how. Et cetera. Yeah. Et cetera. Et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't. I don't want to point fingers or be too harsh, but part of me wonders if the reason that we see a a body like a a national body of Christ in the United States today who's so spiritually immature and so lacking practical like living it out style Christianity part of me wonders if it's because we have un- accidentally or or perhaps just without thinking about the potential pitfalls we've overemphasized this ideas transfer type discipleship versus what you're describing which is this integrated discipleship which which says hey let's not just talk about this let's actually go and do it let's live it out and let's live it out together uh i mean you described it as what jesus was doing like he he didn't just sit them down in a classroom for three years like they walked from place to place and they were chatting Mm -hmm. and watching and listening and they were seeing Jesus live out his. <laughs> I, I know he wasn't a Christian. They were seeing him live out his <laughs> Christianity. I'm putting yeah, it in yeah. air quotes uh, yeah, for those yeah. of you who are not watching on YouTube. So, yeah. like, they're they're watching how how Jesus is training them how to live. And I think that yeah. we need to bre- we need to reemphasize that. Um, Absolutely. Not. Repro- not replacing necessarily other forms of discipleship but it needs to be
1: happening in addition to at the very least yeah yeah absolutely and you can see that nationwide and worldwide too um, there's some I, I was able to connect with um uh, a man who did his doctorate on um, discipleship and evangelism and essentially he did it on the the on the work of how does the like how does the holy spirit work with us in evangelism and he found that actually he did this whole doctoral research like 8 years or something and he found that worldwide um parts of the body of Christ that emphasize that that deemphasize um action oriented faith um uh those parts of the body of Christ are actually seeing a decrease um in people in, decrease in conversions decrease in baptisms decrease in numbers decrease in everything uh closing mm-hmm. churches and uh parts of the body of Christ that are Putting their action to their to their head knowledge are seeing massive massive explosion. You know, um, and what God's doing, and so yeah, it's powerful. Uh,
0: I mean, you can't you even even if we didn't have that research, right? Like you could even anecdotally just look out at the world and notice Mm. that that's true. Oh yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like compare the church in the United States to the church in China, or the underground Mm -hmm. church in China, and you'll easily see a difference. Yeah. And and the emphasis over and over again in the underground church in China is put it into practice, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. they won't even they won't even let you lead in the church unless you brought somebody to Christ.
1: I heard, I uh, I heard wow. from somebody that would be amazing, him. honestly. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I and honestly, like that that probably should be kind of a minimum expectation. <laughs>
1: that like that's really fair, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're living. And it, it takes us back to to that passage that we were talking about at the very beginning, where Jesus says, go and make disciples. Uh, unfortunately, many of us have read, go and make converts, when that's not at all what Jesus is mm-hmm. describing, even contextually in that passage. What he's describing is a, a training-type relationship that leads mm-hmm. people to understand how to follow him. And so yes. if we go and we convert people, we've only we've only
1: started the job exactly Uh, uh, yes yes can i interrupt you for a moment it's like it's like jesus it's funny jesus died on the cross rose from the dead and then days later is talking his disciples he's talking his disciples about a post-resurrection life now you know Mm -hmm. but how often in the local church or not even the local church, I'm not down in the local church, in any church, or in in, in Christianity, just in general, how often in Christianity do we all often, so often, emphasize the pre-resurrection life, the pre-crucifixion life, which is valid, there is validity in that. We want people to turn the corner and surrender their lives to Jesus as Lord, hallelujah, but there is all of this missing piece, you know, (laughs) of... Jesus is saying, okay, well, now that you are surrendered to me, I am transforming you. Now you're a laborer. Now you're a, a minister of reconciliation, an ambassador, a child of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're at all of these new things. Now the question is, how do you live out that new um, identity free from sin, perfect before Jesus on this earth? While you're still as uh, let's see Ephesians, Colossians says you're st- you're actually seated with Christ now in the heavenlies. Mm. So how do you do that here? That's the question of discipleship is you're actually of another kingdom now. How do you live of another kingdom still in this world? Um, mm. And uh, yeah, oh, that's good. That's getting me be pumped, man. This is good stuff. <laughs> And it's and it's all over the
0: New Testament also it's not just in it's not just in in Paul's writings Peter also makes mention of it basically Peter first Peter's written to uh modern- day Turkey uh, at that point called Asia Minor and they're experiencing intense persecution and in the in light of their experience of intense persecution Peter encourages them in this he's like look forward to what Jesus is going to do but in the meantime live live out what you actually are saying that you believe so don't Mm. abandon the faith because you're experiencing persecution don't live mischievous uh devious lives don't don't do any of that live a life that honors christ here and now and have your hope set on what's coming in the future all that to say Mm. uh, it's i mean it's all over the new testament this this overemphasis on on conversion and underemphasis on what do I do after I decide to follow Jesus is mm-hmm. not biblical. It it, yeah. it emerges later at some point between between when the Gospels are written down and the New Testament is completed. And now at some point we got yeah. those things out of order. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or out of emphasis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh practically speaking, what what would you say that that looks like? So. Here's what I imagine. Someone's like, okay, I understand I'm supposed to disciple somebody. I understand I'm supposed to be having intimacy with God. I understand that I need to position myself not just as a, a leader of somebody else, but as a student. Um, I, I need to recognize that maybe I I'm not perfect and I need other people to hone me. Uh number, f- and then uh what we talked about is this integrated like mm-hmm. discipleship. So I understand all of these things. How do I actually do it? Like. I'm you're, you're, you're a dad of three, like Mm -hmm. where do you have time to do it? You know, like if somebody's coming to you and saying, Hey, like, I, I I would love for you to mentor or disciple me. Like, Mm -hmm. how are you fitting that into your day-to-day life in light of the fact that you want it to be more than just a
1: transfer of information over a cup of coffee? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, so one, I would take a look at the people you, we all have a, um, a sphere of influence around you, you know, no matter who you are, and so I would ask, though I would ask the Holy Spirit to highlight people to you that is already that need to be discipled, who are already in your sphere of influence. Um, you don't even need to make any huge lifestyle changes right now. Um, perhaps what you just need to do is look up at the horizon of where you're already at, um, mm. and uh, um, I would ask, I would just ask God to sit with him and be like, who in my sphere of influence? It, do I, who, what is my assignment? Who are my people? Uh, what's my territory, you know? Um, and like uh, my my wife, Megan right now, she's primarily home with our children. You know, she spends almost all the time home alone with them. Um, and that is, uh, that was a huge shift of territory and assignment for her when she came home from being a working professional. Uh, now her assignment is primarily our children, primarily our children and uh, she just had two freshman women um at our at our church they just it was such a blessing to her they came up to her and said we think you're awesome we want you to mentor us you know so you know she'll in the fall she'll start connecting with them when they come back from the summer so you know but that's kind of what her sphere of influence looks like um my sphere of influence looks a little different cuz I'm a lead pastor and a speaker um and then uh you know maybe you're maybe you're a mechanic you know and you're working on cars all day um and uh, your sphere of influence is the people right alongside of you. You know, in your, uh, um, in your, you know, in your mechanic shop or your, you know, tire shop. You know, uh, what does it look like for you to transform your lunch break, or uh, your, you know, those little snippets, you know, of life, and to do some of those alongside people. You know, it starts with relationship. So, uh, and then two, like, the the big piece for me is thinking about what does it look like for you to live a life alongside people um rather than sort of just trying to do things do spiritual things with people you know mm-hmm. uh those are important let's read the bible together that's great you know but uh one of the most profound things i think uh uh one of my youth pastors did is they um uh every time she went shopping she would take one of her female students with her to go shopping with her that's it. You know, she turned this uh, everyday grocery store run into a discipleship opportunity simply by inviting along a high school student. Um, and uh, and then you got so much life that happens. You, there's so much life that happens in those little moments, you know. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think pra- on a practical level, it's what's already happening in your life, and how do you invite someone someone along to really mm-hmm. see your life too. Um, We've gotten so many comments recently um, where a lot of the people who have spent time with us at our church, I've got a lot of really encouraging comments of, wow, you're the same person with your family that you are on stage, or you're the, you know, I love the way that you do this, and I'm just doing life, and it's very encouraging for me. I'm like, thank you, that makes me feel really good, because I don't always feel that, uh, because I definitely see I'm not perfect, Um, but uh, I'm very encouraged because people are just seeing the way we do life, and then it's causing opportunity for conversation that they'd have with people with us Mm. yeah so i think
0: that's really excellent advice um and I, i i wonder if a question that we need to be asking ourselves is how i mean obviously the discipleship relationship is overt to some degree because like jesus invited a specific group of 12 men to come follow him and then we know that there were others as well along the way but how how non-overt is it as well in light of the fact that like we're just working side by side and you know that I'm a Christian and I know that you're a Christian and we've had deep Mm -hmm. Christian conversation and now we're now you're watching me as I as I follow Jesus Mm -hmm. in my day-to-day life as a mechanic and so I'm wondering maybe those lines can be a little bit blurrier Mm -hmm. than they and they are obviously we don't want to miss out on like oh overt meeting together like obviously we need the local body and we need all of those kind of overt things but i'm wondering if discipleship can become
1: less overt and more just i don't i don't know integrated (laughs) yeah absolutely Yeah, yeah yeah and um and that is, I think that word integration is a is a good theme because when we think about the next spiritual generation, that is a weakness of the Gen Z generation we're discovering right now. Is there's not an integration of of faith with actually action, you know, um, mm-hmm. and lifestyle. And so, any way we can and blend those things, um, I think is wonderful. You know, I think I think the days of um, go start a Bible study in your or in your vocational setting, not that you can't do that. I think that with the next generation coming up, I would anticipate there will be a new phrase. There will be a new thing that will, the 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 thing of the overt spiritual sort of moment was do this. I think it's gonna be transforming somehow. Um, I don't know what it'll look like, uh, but I have a good feeling that um, the next generation, like all the Gen Zers that love Jesus and are surrendered to him will come up with an amazing idea. Mm.
0: How, what what would you say? So somebody's like doing all this stuff, right? They're living it out. They're, they're bringing people alongside them. They're overtly teaching at times, whatever it looks like. Um, How would they know if they're doing it right versus doing it wrong? Like what, what would be, what would be our measure? Because even Jesus had a Judas. So Uh like, how do we know if we're being quote unquote successful? Because I understand Our pursuit is obedience not necessarily success but also we want people to be discipled so maybe we should Mm -hmm. be measuring that to some degree so just curious what what would you say is a good indicator that somebody's doing it right
1: yeah that's a great question um the big thing for me is this sense of multiplication Mm -hmm. um like there should be in my opinion there should be quickly conversations Uh, In early on in the discipleship-mentorship relationship of asking intentional questions. If you're the disciple or mentor, asking who is it that you're loving? Like, who are you mentoring? Who are the people in your sphere of influence? And getting that person to look outward um, of Mm. themselves, you know? Um, And so if you're in that, that would be my thought process is like, um, uh, this sense, there should be a sense of multiplication. Um, Mm. um, And there should be growth. Healthy things grow. You know healthy things are always grow um and so sometimes they grow numerically sometimes they grow spiritually you know um so uh um there should be a sense of 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 um of spreading out and spreading deeper with the gospel does that make sense going wide and going deeper um you think about it a family uh, a family there's a, there's a there's a genetic reason that, um, like, families don't make other families with the same family members, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Like, genetically, it's unhealthy for the family, you know? Um, and uh, uh, you see that biologically, it's not healthy, and you also see that spiritually, you know? If a church is so internally focused on our own people or discipling our stuff and really sort of zoned in and honed in on... The, the relationship that you and I have, man, this is really good. We're feeling good about it. And there's so much emphasis on that. There's a sense of like sort of spiritual inbreeding that can happen. Um, mm-hmm. And then you're not rubbing shoulders with maybe another person or another church or another ministry that does things very different from you. And, and it makes you as a leader or a mentor or disciple or sort of think through like, Oh, well, you know, that's good. I can learn from you. You can learn from me. And so um there needs you will know you're successful, I think, if you're starting to see multiplication. There needs mm. to be growth and multiplication. The gospel needs to be spread. More disciples should be made. You should become you should be a spiritual father communicating to a spiritual son that communicates to a spiritual grandson, to a great grandson. You should see the line, you know. Mm. Um uh that might be maybe too high of a standard. I don't know. I think it's I think it's biblical though.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if I would go too high. I think it, I would say it's. I'm I'm eager to see that happen more frequently, yes. and uh, I even even if it's difficult, I think that it's necessary to start asking ourselves these questions. Yeah. So, in my mind, here's here's the ultimate question that we're asking. We're saying if if we have the the spiritual wealth that we have currently right now in the United States or globally or whatever, in any kind of region, if you have that level of spiritual maturity, are we doing something right? Or are we doing something wrong? And I would say in large part, we're doing something wrong. Uh, sorry. I know that's an incredibly broad brush statement. Obviously there are churches who are doing it really right and they're doing it really well. Um, and there are individuals out there who are doing it right and doing it well, but like, as I travel both here in the United States and globally, I encounter so many people who are Christian in name only. And I'm not just talking about like the, the the Southern United States where it's very stereotypical to be Christian. I'm talking about in my own backyard here in Colorado, where it's not stereotypical to be Christian yet. There are many who are Christian in name only. And, uh, I just, I think that we need to look at that and say, obviously, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> obviously, the spiritual maturity of the body of Christ has room to grow. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not just about what you know. It, I'm talking about what people are doing. Like mm-hmm. when the person who works at the church is on the phone with the customer service representative, and it sounds like the the church side person is uh, a, like a really mean person to this, this, uh, customer service representative over the phone. Like you got to wonder, like, that's, that's a huge, that's like a big deal (laughs) that we're Mm -hmm. like the person on the other end of that phone looks and says, oh, blank, blank church. This is such and such church. Like, that's a huge issue, you know? And that's not, that's just like a microcosm of a, of a much greater need. All that to say, I think that as we evaluate, like what we've been doing is not working. So we better rethink about what we're doing to make it better so that the next spiritual generation is more mature, more following Jesus, more obedient, because they're going to need to be, because I I anticipate that globally speaking, it's going to become more and more difficult to follow Jesus.
1: Yeah, I have that that sense as well, that um, you are either in, like, particularly I think in the United States, you are either in or you're out i think for Mm. a while it has been easy to sort of be on the fence a touch Um, Mm. and i think that it is getting much more difficult in our current in our current climate to be on the fence
0: yep agreed well uh nicholas thank you so much for your wisdom and your insight i'm curious if you have uh any other advice or uh, encouragement or wisdom that you would have to offer to anybody listening
1: yeah i would say um if this podcast has sort of challenged you or like made you been like man like i don't see spiritual generations or you know i don't see that coming from me you know Uh, i would just encourage you like if you feel challenged or convicted like don't go into a place of shame or beating yourself up or this deep sense of crazy introspection of oh gosh what's wrong with me you know like just like talk to the lord about it and then ask him just just uh, ask him what, you know, what I need to do. What's, what's it, you know, what is it, um, what I need to change? What, how can I grow? Um, and, and just see what he says, you know, uh, he'll steer you the right way. God, God does that. So,
0: Amen. Yeah. And uh, along those same lines, uh, uh, intimacy is the foundation of everything else in Christianity. If you don't have an up close relationship with God, you won't be able to follow him. Like we already talked about and and if you try to teach people how to obey his commands without that intimacy, you're going to find that they're very good at being fakers. Uh, like my wife and I have been reading through Isaiah, and God over and over and over again in the book of Isaiah, God's calling out the people of Israel and saying, or Judah, and saying, Hey, bros, I know what's going on inside of you. On the outside, you're doing all the right stuff, but on the inside, you're 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 dead. Jesus says the same thing in 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 the new testament he's like uh you're whitewashed tombs on the outside you're beautiful on the inside you're totally dead um Mm -hmm. and that's what intimacy does it it creates a a a livingness on the inside Mm -hmm. so that what you see on the outside is real and legitimate and it's not faked um anyway but just to build off what you're saying uh go to god ask him and if you're like man I, i just can't hear his voice or whatever can't go wrong teaching people to to be deep intimate close up with jesus and allow jesus to transform them from the inside out so that what you're
1: seeing in their life looks like what jesus does and did yeah absolutely yeah and if you if you go to god and you ask him what's my next step and you feel like you can't hear his voice just open the bible he that's his voice right there open the bible go to the gospels see what jesus was doing and then just go try and do what he did you know uh, just go pray for people, go tell people about your relationship with Jesus. Just one little step, you know, just tell people what he's done in your life. Um, and, uh, see what happens. It, I bet you good things will happen.
0: <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you again, Nicholas. Really appreciate your time and energy and your wisdom. Um, if you want to connect with Nicholas, the best place to do that is forgeforward.org, um, click on, or forgespeakers.org and, uh, you can click on Nicholas's name and uh, learn all about him. Uh, I highly recommend that you do that. Nicholas is not just a, a, a fantastic friend and a great pastor. He's also a, an amazing speaker with Forge. And uh, I, if you found what he shared encouraging right now, just wait until you hear him in person <laughs> and you see his life in person also.
1: Well, thank you, uh, well, thank you
0: so much, man. Really appreciate you.
1: All right. Thanks, Nathan.
0: All right. Well, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. God bless.